good morning everybody. Uh, a little late start online, uh, but uh, welcome those of you who are watching online. And uh, anyway, uh, excited about getting into the word this morning. Uh, I'm just trying to think about how many announcements. Uh, everything's really the same old same old. Uh, we still have church here at 10.30 a.m. Uh, usually we start around 11.15 this time, uh, sometimes a little earlier on, on live stream. Everything gets archived onto our website. Uh, later in the day, uh, so it's there uh, after that. Uh, we do have our Bible classes still online, and just so you know, our website is lighthousediscipleship.org. Lighthousediscipleship.org. You can find all of our messages. We have articles, we have blogs, we have Bible classes, and we're starting a new Bible study tonight. Uh, Don't limit God. And so we're starting tonight. Uh, feel free to, if you're local, to come here. We have less than 10 people here. So uh, yeah, don't, don't worry about uh, 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 that. Also, worship. The uh, uh, reason we don't live stream the worship is because we don't have a live worship team. And it's because of copyright laws. Facebook, YouTube, all of them would block us out if we, did, if we live stream recorded music. We have recorded music that we use here through Spotify that we also show on the PowerPoint, uh, the words on the screen. But for those online, what I do share, and I put, have, if you go to our live stream page on our website, I do update the playlist that we use every week there. Uh, I know we don't live stream directly to our live stream page right now because we don't have all the equipment we need. Uh, we're still uh, saving up for that. We are about. 2700 away from our goal, or phase three of our goal, but we, we need to finish that goal so to get there. And so, uh, praise God for the money that has come in. Um, but we don't live stream our, our worship because we're not allowed to by copyright law. Uh, but we do have the playlist updated every week uh, to our live stream page. And there's a couple other places on the website too, but I won't bore you with all that information, okay? Uh, we're trying to do everything we can to give you everything we have and uh, whatnot. And we've been doing this not just because of everything going on in our world right now, uh, through the social distancing and everything. We've been doing this for uh, a few years now. So uh, everything I'm sharing, we've been do already doing. So we haven't changed our agenda one way, shape, or form. We're doing everything we can in the, uh, to honor uh, others, respect others in our government. At uh, same point in time, we're also doing what we are called to do, uh, and so uh, we're just being fruitful in that way. So anyway, uh, also too, and I don't say this a lot because we're not here about the money, but we're out here to bless you. And uh, if you are here, if you are watching online, we can give on our, our web page, uh, website, and uh, we are a 5133 uh, organization, so you will get a, 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 a tax write-up for that. Anyway, our, again, our website is lighthousediscipleship.org. Lighthousediscipleship.org. Uh, if you need prayer, you need ministry, you need anything, uh, reach out to us. Uh, we're here to help. Okay? And so, uh, so anything we can do to help you, pray for you, minister to you, uh, please let us know. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the Word this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead. We're talking about being established in His peace. And I think I wanted to start this morning with the, one of the main passages we used last week. So go with me to 2 Peter chapter uh, 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, to start here.
And we'll start with verse 2. got the words on the screen this week. Last week we had some challenges, but here we are. Sometimes things just work when you unplug it and plug it back in and it works just fine. Yeah. It's a very scientific uh, way to fix some things. So, okay. Anyway, here we go. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we, be, we have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through less. Again, there's a lot in this passage of scripture. I'm not going to reteach all the things that we talked about last week, but I do want to jumpstart us and get back into the groove of where we were last week. Grace and peace. We're talking about uh, being established in His peace, not the peace of this world. We're going to get into that a little bit next week. <coughs> the peace of this world. But grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. And we spent a lot of time last week talking about. Uh, we, uh, as we know God, as we know Him, His nature, who He is, uh, uh, we, uh, grace and peace will be multiplied to us. And His divine power has already passed to us, <coughs> given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything we need for life and godliness has already been given to us through the knowledge of Him. And, and this knowledge of Him by which, he, by which he has given to us exceeding great and precious promises. As we know him, we're not only going to get to know God, but we're also going to get to know his precious promises. And it's through these precious promises that we may be <coughs> partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the, the corruption that's in this world. There's a lot of corruption in this world. And we're seeing that before our eyes. But we can escape. There's an escape from the corruption that's in this world. And we can be partakers of his divine nature. And we can talk a lot about his divine nature. That's a very powerful topic. But part of his divine nature is peace. That's what we're talking about. Amen? We're talking about peace. And we can be partakers of his peace through the knowledge of him. It's part of the promise. And we're going to get into more of this later about the promise. We have a covenant of peace. We're going to get into that a little bit today if we get that far. But we need to know it. My people perish by the lack of knowledge. We need to know God. And where do we start when we don't have peace, when we don't have joy, when we don't have some of the other attributes of the fruit of the Spirit? Because peace is the fruit of the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Sometimes our flesh, we think of lust. Sometimes we think of lust in, as in, in an area of immorality. And yes, that can apply. But our our flesh can also lust to be depressed. Our flesh can lust to be angry. Our lust can lust to, to, to murmur and complain. Our flesh can lust for a lot of different things, foods and different things and hobbies and activities. And there's, we talk, we, you know, even in, this, even in this context that we can, partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in this world through lust. Lust is a very powerful, powerful force if we allow it. But Galatians 5.16 says, 
and we don't have, I'm not turning there right now, but we, but we, as we walk in the spirit, we won't feel the lust of the flesh. <coughs> the key is not trying to control the flesh. You can't control the flesh by the flesh. You can't control addiction by the, by the flesh. You can only control your flesh by walking in the spirit. It doesn't say walk in, uh, uh, control the flesh and then walk, you'll be able to walk in the spirit. No, it says walk in the spirit and you will fulfill. That word fulfill in the Greek means it's the same word what Jesus said, it is finished. You won't finish, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the key is walking in the spirit. Jesus said that the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. All scripture is inspired by God for it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As you know God, as you know Him, as you know His divine nature, you all have already received everything that pertains to life and godliness. Grace and peace will be multiplied to you, and you will be partakers of His divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in this world to us. Everything involves, everything comes from the knowledge of Him. Why is that so? Because God, God, God is a seed. We've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed, by the Word of God. The Word of God is a seed. And the source of any apple tree, or any tree, or any vegetation is the seed. It's the root. The fruit comes from the root. The roots don't come from the fruit. Yes, you can bury that fruit, and the seeds of that fruit will, will grow, and gestate, and grow, and <coughs> if you water it, and get the proper rain and sunshine, it will grow. But the, 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 the seed is a source. God is a source. He's a seed, and we need Him. We need the water, be watered by the word. It's in the knowledge of God that grace and peace is multiplied to us. Is that making sense? We kind of been talking a lot of those lines, but I want to I want to continue with that uh, with today's lesson. So turn with me uh, to Luke chapter two. We're talking about peace, and as we're talking about peace, I know there's some other aspects that people are talking about, especially with all that's going on. All the, uh, uh, the spirit of fear that's going on in our world today because of the virus and, and lack of supplies and, and just being just the fact of being quarantined. Now we've been quarantined for a few weeks. Some of us are experiencing cabin fever and by now. And we're just, there's a lot of anxiety and things going on in the world from many different angles. Some of us are because of finances. Some of us are jobs and furlough and different things. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of anxiety in this world. But we're not of this world. We're of God. We're born of God. We're born again. We're born of God. And, and so when we're talking about peace, the foundation is we need to know God. And I know, I know this, and I spent the time last week talking about this, that when I am not in peace, you know, just put the coronavirus aside for a moment. Just put everything that's going on in our world aside for a moment. When I find myself in anxiety, worry, stress, uh, anger, uh, my flesh just comes unraveled, is when I've got my focus off God and got my focus on the storm. And how do I get peace? I get my eyes back on Jesus. I get my back eyes back on the Word. And so I feed my peace. I, 
Faith comes by the word. I said this last week that the opposite of, of peace is fear. Well, the opposite of fear is faith. And where does faith come from? The word of God. So if we're going to feed our faith, which is the opposite of, of fear, then we need to be in the word of God. We need to spend time with God. But we can also do it. It works the other way, too. We can start. We can either... We can either starve our fear by feeding our faith, or we can starve our faith by feeding our fear. That makes sense? And we say that again. We can starve our fear by feeding our faith, or we can feed our faith, I mean, we can st starve our fear, I mean, st starve our faith by feeding our fear. Okay? How do we feed our fear and starve our faith? By grace and peace is multiplied to us through the knowledge of Him. But there's more than one kind of knowledge out there. If we, if we, if our number one diet is the Word of God and not the, the news and the other, uh, other medias that come to us, then grace and peace will be multiplied to us. But if we instead, we spend a little bit of time or no time in the Word of God, but we spend a lot of time in the news, the cares of this world. Uh, we'll get into this a little bit later in our third or fourth week if we go that long. Uh, but we'll talk about the bread of sorrows. We don't need the bread of sorrows. We, Jesus is our bread of life. And he, we need his bread daily. But some people are feeding daily on the so bread of sorrows. The sorrow of this world. And that is not a healthy diet, folks. That is not a good diet. Because from the knowledge of this world, you are actually Starving your faith and feeding your fears. Faith can only come by the, by the Word of God. So, I'm not saying we don't spend any time knowing what's going on in our world, but that's not my number one diet. I might see what the headlines are. I, <coughs> I do not want to hear the commentary <clears throat> on any of the news articles or however they may come. I don't feed on that. We, we don't spend time on that. We don't watch TV. We don't have a TV. In that regard, uh, we have we watch DVDs and movies we choose. <clears throat> People go, How, you mean you don't watch TV? I go, we haven't watched TV in 20 years, and we're, we're doing very well. <clears throat> you know, I don't want cable. I won't, I refuse to buy cable. <clears throat> you know, uh, we, do, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have a newspaper. Uh, we don't look at the news or not ever. We, we might see a few headlines, and you just scroll through Facebook long enough, you can you know the big headlines, you know what's going on in the world, and not that you believe everything on Facebook, but we just, we, we're not in the world, but we're not of the world. The news is not a diet. We, it's distasteful to us. We don't, and most of it's not even news anymore. I'm not trying to get all political, but we, that's not the knowledge we're feeding on. We're feeding on God. And he will keep in perfect peace he whose mind is stayed upon me because he trusts in him. I trust him. I do not trust the news. I do not trust the source. But I trust him. And he's my source. And if there's something I need to know, I, he can reveal it to me by his spirit. Or he can tell me, check this out, whatever. And there's, there's times he's done that. And so I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Anyway, let's get back to the message here in Luke chapter 2. It sounds like a Christmas message to some of you, but it says, <clears throat> excuse me one second, let me just kind of adjust the screen here. 
Right, this is the scene where Jesus is being born in the city of Bethlehem, and the angels come and, and they, 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 uh, to, the, to the shepherds who are out in the fields. And this is what the, the angels begin to say. Let me uh, scroll back up here uh, to verse. Let me, scroll, let me get some context here. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, but behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, and this is what they're saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward man. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward man. <coughs> Excuse me. Again, I've I, I shared this a lot of times I start hacking because I start preaching and talking. It bothered me for a little while every time it only bothered me in this way on Sunday mornings. Well, anyway, here we are. Luke 2, 14 says, you know, it says, that glory to God in the highest and a peace and goodwill toward men. This peace, or the peace of this heavenly host, these angels begin to sing and declare to the, the shepherds and begin to declare to us, it was not the peace among mankind, but it was a peace between God and man. In other words, and Andrew Womack has a great uh, teaching and book on this, the war between man and God is over. Because Jesus has come. Jesus is coming. And Jesus has come. The war is over. What do I mean by that? Well, go with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40. We'll go ahead and start verse 1. Isaiah 40. It says, comfort ye, yes, comfort my people. How does God want to comfort us? And we're talking about peace. Comfort is very soothing when you are not, when you need some peace. Comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak comfort to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is God's people. I can bring it all to the new Jerusalem as the bride of Christ. We are the church. We are the new Jerusalem. And cry out to her that her warfare is ended. And that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. I'm going to read that again. Speak comfort to Jerusalem. Speak comfort to my people. And cry out to her that her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned, and she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. The angels began to cry on that Christmas morn. Glory to God in the highest. Peace and goodwill toward men. Why? Because the war between man and God is over. Through Jesus Christ, he who knew no sin became our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus became our sin. Jesus crucified our sin. Jesus buried our sin. And Jesus was raised according to Romans 4.25, for our justification. The war, we are right with God. We have peace and goodwill towards God because of Jesus. Our iniquity through Jesus has been pardoned. 
and we have received double for our sins. It says in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3, uh, actually I think it's verse 7, it says, Well, it was shame. God will give us double honor. God has given us, we have received, sin is deadly. How many can you agree with me? I am not sweeping sin under some car, some carpet. I am putting sin where sin belongs on Jesus Christ who was crucified. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The cornerstone of everything that we believe is based on Jesus dying for our sins. And because Jesus has died for our sins, there is peace with God. We are in right relationship with I was getting, getting ready to say something, but I forgot what that was, so we'll have to wait for that thought to come back. But this peace comes from God. This peace comes from the cross of Jesus Christ. Go with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And we'll look at verse 20. Colossians 1, 20. And Paul says, uh, I want to give a little bit of context. Verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in Him, Christ, all the fullness should dwell, and by Him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. This is what I was going to say a minute ago. How many of you know that sin is deadly? <coughs> but Jesus, however great your sin was, His love was greater. His grace is greater. His mercy is greater. His blood is greater. I don't care how bad your sin was. And sin is wrong. Sin is deadly. Sin is stupid. Sin is wrong. Sin will kill you. I am not advocating sin. I'm advocating Jesus. Because no matter what you've done, how bad you've done it, how long you've done it, you might have done worse than bad, His love is greater. And his peace, <coughs> excuse me, is stronger than your sin. How many of you know you can't have peace if you are not right with God? You can't have peace. I don't care what's going on in the world. You cannot have peace unless you, you, you know that you are right with God. But we, it says, and by him, Jesus he had to reconcile all things to himself. That means he's reconciled us to himself by him. God has reconciled us to himself by Jesus. <clears throat> I can preach this from 1 John chapter 2 and from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But God has reconciled us to himself by Jesus, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Jesus, God, has made peace with us through the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? That is the cornerstone of what we believe. We have to start here. Grace and peace is multiplied to us in the knowledge of God. Well, the knowledge of God teaches us that God has made peace through it with us. Excuse me. Through the blood of the cross. Without the blood of the cross, there's no peace. And we of all men are most miserable. That's what Paul talks about in Corinthians. But he is risen. He, the blood is, you know, back in the book of Exodus. 
through the Exodus, when they were leaving Egypt, and God, and I think it's Exodus chapter 12, he had them, uh, they went through the first Passover. How many of you know that Jesus is our Passover? But the very first Passover, which was an allegory of what Jesus was going to do for us. There was a lot of instruction, but some of that instruction was to put the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. Judgment doesn't come to us. Because when God sees the blood, he will pass over. Well, we are baptized into the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been cleansed. We have been sanctified. We have been righteous. We have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. His blood and his blood alone is enough. And because of the blood of the cross, we have peace with God. Glory to God in the highest. Peace and goodwill towards men. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Him. Amen? That is a cornerstone. Yes, we're going to talk about some other attributes of peace, but this has to be the foundation. We can't have peace in the storms of life if we don't first of all have peace in knowing that we're right with God. That has to be the foundation. Righteousness and truth, righteousness and judgment, our justice is the foundation of the throne. Until we understand the elementary teachings, the first principles, as, as the writer of Hebrews talked about in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12, 13, we, we are unskilled in the word of righteousness. We're still be a babe. We, we are all, I already quoted it this morning, but all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We talked about it last week, but we'll talk about it more next week. But we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to us. Paul talks about in Romans 14, verse 17, that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You can't separate righteousness from peace. You can't separate the blood of Jesus from peace. You can't separate... God, through Jesus, through his blood, has already made peace with us. He's already pardoned our iniquities. And we can be comforted. We can be comforted, church, by this revelation, by this knowledge. Am I making sense? There is nothing more comforting than knowing that Jesus became your sin, that he might give you his righteousness. There is no more comfort. There is no greater comfort. There's no greater miracle than being born again and being right with God. Amen? Amen? And so I, I really want to spend time on that to, 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 nail, to, to, to nail this in, that all of our sins were placed on Jesus, and because of Jesus we have been perfected. We've been made right with God. I want to use a few verses here to talk about this perfection a little bit, because I want to use it a little bit later in my study. Go with me real quick about to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, 10. Hebrews 10, 10. It says, By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Um, that's part of it, where I want to get to, but it, scroll down with me to verse 14, and it goes on to say, 
For by one offering, he, Jesus, has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. I'm going to piggyback on this in just a moment. But for by one offering, Jesus has perfected those who are being sanctified. Through the blood of Jesus, through the cross, through his peace and goodwill toward man, through the cross, God has perfected those who are being sanctified. I'm going to come back to that word perfected in just a moment, but I want to use another verse here in Hebrews chapter 12. So scroll down to two more chapters, Hebrews 12, and pick it up in, uh, in verse 23 here. I love the chapter chapter 12 of Hebrews 12, but I, I'm going to pick it up mid-thought here. And, and writer says, to the general assembly and the church. I mean, you know we are the church. I know a lot of church buildings are closed right now. But the church is not the building. It's not the organization. It's not the 501c3. The church is the people. The church is the body of Christ. A lot of church buildings are empty. But how many of you know the tomb is empty? And Jesus is in you. To the general assembly <coughs> and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God the judge of all to the spirits of just men made perfect. <coughs> that last phrase I want to really pick it in on. To the spirits of just men or the, the word just is also righteous. The, the spirit of righteous men made perfect. There's a lot here. I don't have time to read the whole context of Hebrews chapter 12. It's a very powerful message. But, but the writer of Hebrews is making a point. He's talking about those who are registered in heaven. Those who, who God has assembled as a church. Because they're registered in heaven. And that God, through Jesus Christ, because if you read the whole book of Hebrews, he's talking about Jesus being our mediator. He's talking about Jesus being our Lord and Savior. He's or he actually just says in the next verse that Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant and to the brother sprinkling that speaks about the things that are not <coughs> But, uh, but I, I, again, I'm just making a, a, a side point here that I'm going to piggyback on that Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, I felt getting excited this morning, is to, is that, that God through Jesus has made us perfect. We are perfect in Jesus. We're not perfect in the flesh. But when we are weak, he is strong. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And how many of you know that Christ who lives in me, Christ who lives in you, is perfect? You can't get more better than that. And I don't know about you, but there's times when I'm not in peace because I'm focused on the storm. I'm focused on the circumstances. I'm focused on things going on in this world. And Jesus said, many hearts will wax cold seeing the things coming on the earth. I don't want my heart to wax cold because I'm focused on the things that's coming on the earth. I need to keep my focus on Jesus. You know, I did a study on the book of Revelation last year, and I think I mentioned this last week, but uh, I, I, I spent five weeks on the book of Revelation, two weeks on chapter one, two weeks on chapters two and three, the, the letters of seven churches, and one week on chapters four through 22. And I told, I told people, I go, I'm not going to go, I highlighted some things between chapters 4 and 22, but I'm not going to go through all the detail about the end times. One, I don't have a full revelation on me myself. And two, I probably would disagree with most of you, if I did. But at the same point in time, 
It's not, the book is not about end time stuff, even though it includes it. A large portion of it does. It's a book about the revel revealing Jesus. The writer, John, the writer, says that in the very first sentence of the book. And I said that I made a statement then, and I'm going to make it again now. <coughs> that, I mean, are horrible things going to come on the earth in the end days? Yes. Jesus prophesied it. John prophesied it. Paul prophesied it. James and Peter both prophesied it. It will come. But the point of the book of Revelation is not about the end time. The focus is that when this stuff begins to happen, keep your focus on Jesus. Even on the good day. Even without the calamity coming on the earth. Our focus needs to be on Jesus. And so my focus is not the circumstance. My focus is Jesus. And I need to keep my focus there. There was a point again I was going to make, but I, I lost it. I'll have to wait for it to come back. There's a reason why I went there, um, but we'll have to wait for it to come back. Where I focus needs to be on Jesus. I want to come back to this part about being perfected, but go with me real quick. I'm going to make a side point here from Ephesians chapter 6. I mean, you know, the faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And this gospel is a gospel, and that's what I want to get to you right here, is a gospel of peace. This good news is a gospel of peace. And in Hebrews chapter 6, Paul was talking about the armor of God, and I'm not going to spend the whole time talking about the whole armor of God. But let me just say this, that we have, when we therefore take up the whole armor of God, verse 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. How many of you know we live in an evil day? And in the evil day, we need to withstand the evil day by having done all the stand. And how would you do that? We put on the armor of God. And I can tie every piece of this armory to righteousness. Okay? But I'm not gonna, that's not what I'm talking about right now. Verse 15, I'm, gonna get, I'm just making a side point here. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of what? Peace. We need to be, as, we're talking about being established in peace. Established in His peace. First of all, we need to know the knowledge of that. But as we get the knowledge of that, we are getting our own feet shod with the gospel of peace. Why do we need our feet shod with the gospel of peace? I'm glad you asked. It would be to Isaiah 52. Very familiar scripture that I use all the time. Isaiah 52, verse 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, and who says in Zion, his bride, his church, his people, your God reigns. This coronavirus doesn't reign. God reigns. This spirit of fear does not reign. God reigns. Any conspiracy that's going on in our world doesn't reign. God reigns. God reigns. And we are, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace so that we can proclaim his peace to the world. So that we can proclaim his peace and to his salvation to Zion, his church, his bride, his people, and declare to them, your God 
we are going to have a hard time proclaiming this if we're not establishing it ourselves. If our feet, our own feet, are not shod with the gospel of peace, so not only we can we withstand the evil day, but that we can help others withstand the evil day by proclaiming His peace and His salvation. That makes sense. If you read, I think, I think it's in Romans chapter 10, Paul quotes from Isaiah 52, verse 7, how beautiful are the mountains of being him. But he prefaces that by, that by talking about where faith comes from. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. How can someone go unless they're sent? God has sent us. God has commissioned us as able ministers. My job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. My job is to equip you to edify one another with this gospel of peace. Proclaiming to Zion. If you study the word Zion now, and I, I better say this before, it's God's church, it's his people, it's his bride. It's the new Jerusalem. We just read from uh, Hebrews chapter 12, he calls it Zion there. He calls the church Zion. We are Zion. Zion. Your God reigns. And we in this time, and in these, this evil day, in these evil times, we are to encourage one another. We don't need a building to do that. Praise God when we can assemble together under one roof. But there's times where we may not be able to. But the, the church is not limited by space. The church is spiritual. The, spirit, the church is not flesh and blood. The church is not governed by this world. Our God reigns. And we have a gospel of peace. And we have goodwill towards man, so we can also have goodwill towards one another. <coughs> that make sense? We are to proclaim this peace. And we are to proclaim salvation. Salvation, here in the Hebrew, is Yeshua, and it means wholeness. It means provision, prosperity. It means healing, wholeness. It means deliverance. It means salvation. And that's what it is. It's salvation. And we can proclaim salvation. We can proclaim, I can proclaim peace and salvation over my family. I can proclaim peace and salvation over my finances. I can proclaim peace and salvation over my health. I can proclaim peace and salvation over my relationships in every which way. My God reigns. And when he sees the blood, this plague, this, this plague will not come nigh me. Am I making sense this morning? The foundation of all this peace is having a right relationship with God. Grace and peace will be multiplied in the knowledge of Him. Am I making sense with this? We're going to come back to this and spend more time in this in a few moments. But while we're here, I want to go to Isaiah 54. I mean, we were just in Isaiah 52. Two chapters later, Isaiah 54, it's really the same context, so don't get, don't get confused by the, the, the chapter and verse separation. We'll pick it up in verse 9, Isaiah 54, verse 9. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For I have I sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. Verse 10. And this is really the key verse of this whole series. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from you, 
nor shall my covenant of peace be removed. We're going to spend more time on this in just a few moments. But we have a covenant of peace. The gospel of peace. God has made a covenant. Covenant's huge. God will not break his covenant. God says he honors his word above his name. We have a covenant of peace with God. We're going to spend more time on that and also about his kindness will not depart from you. I don't care what's going on in the world. I don't care what is happening. God, I have a covenant of peace. We're going to spend time on that in just a few moments. Okay? Am I making sense? Okay? So again, I was talking about this perfection in just a moment. I'm going to get towards that now. Let me say what I want to say, and then we'll try to let me explain some things here. Perfect love casts out fear. Amen? Perfect love casts out fear. But what's perfect love? I'm glad you asked. Go with me to 1 John chapter 4. First, I want to get to verse 18, but let's start with verse 10. And let me just, uh, I have to back up a little bit, verse 8. He who does not love does not know God, but God is love. Say what that would be. God is love. Say it again with me. God is love. Say it again. God is love. And this in this, the love of God. Say that with me. Love of God. Say it again. Love of God. Not only is God love, but love is where? Of God. Or I should say, love is of whom? Of God. Because God is love. And this, the love of God, was manifested towards us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Verse 10. In this, is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. I love this passage in verse 10 where John defines for us what love is. First of all, he said love is of God. Love is God. And then he also says this is love, not that we love Him, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. <coughs> <coughs> Propitiation is a fancy word, meaning that Jesus was our sacrifice. He was our substitute. And it also means that because he was our propitiation, that his sacrifice satisfied God. His love was made us, his love, his propitiation, we're going to get into, made us perfect. That makes sense. And if we're perfect because of what he did for us, then we have peace with God. To the cross, to the blood of the cross. That making sense. Go down with me to verse 16. And we have known and believed the love of God. We need to know it. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of him. We need to know it, and we need to believe it. We spent time last week talking about faith. We need to know and believe the love that God has for us. And he repeats what he said in verse 8 right here. God is love. 
And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Verse 17. This is actually where, where I don't want to get to this part too. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this. I want to pause here just for a moment. Love has been perfected in us. How did it become perfected? We're going to read, I know there's a colon there, we're going to read some more. But love has also been perfected in us knowing and believing his love. As we know and believe his love, who is God, because God is love, his love is being perfected in us, among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. If you know that you know that you know that Jesus has been your propitiation, his love has been, God has been your propitiation so that you are right with God, you have peace with God, you have goodwill towards God because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you have been perfected by God because of what Jesus done, then you have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because Jesus has already been judged for you. How many of you know that if you had a, a major debt, let's just use a mortgage for example, and you are behind on your mortgage, but someone comes around the way and pays your entire mortgage and gives you the title deed. Anytime any creditor or anyone wants to come and call you about your debt, how many of you would have boldness and say, it is paid in full? How many of you know someone paid your mortgage for you or your mortgage is paid off? You don't need to keep sending money to the bank. Why? It's paid. We can have boldness in the day of judgment because Jesus' love has perfected us. That's peace. I said that's peace. Because as he is, so are we in this world. I know we've used this last phrase in many different contexts, and as he is, so are we in this world. We can talk about any other aspect of God, as we know the nature of God. We can say, as he is, so are we in this world, because Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But the context is love. He's talking about love. And he's talking about his love being perfected among us. God is love. As he is. Who is he? He's love. He said it twice in this passage. Verse 8 and verse 16. And as he has love, so are we in love in this world. Because throughout this same passage, he's talking about we love one another because we understand his love. I'm paraphrasing that. But throughout this book of 1 John, John is talking a lot about how we love one another. And the preface of that, the, the foundation of that, is because God loves us. This is love. Not that we love him, but that he loves us. We can't love God, we can't love ourselves, we can't love one another until we first understand his love for us. But once we know that and believe that his love is perfecting us, that we have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is love, so are we love in this world. I can not only love God, but I can have compassion on you. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you've done, because God has loved me. And his love towards me has been perfected. That's powerful. I'm not really talking about loving one another so much as I'm talking about peace. But you, we're talking about peace with God mainly, being established in his peace. But I can have peace with you because of his peace with me. That making sense? Until you understand his peace, until you understand his love, until you understand his nature, until you understand his mercy, you're going to have a very hard time doing that, offering that to anyone else. 
But you can have you can have be reconciled with others because God's been reconciled to you. And you can have peace with others because God's been have peace with you. You can love others because He loves you. He goes on to say, verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. There's a lot here, verse 18. But he says, there is no fear in love. Fear and love cannot coexist. They is the opposite of, of fear. And Paul said to Galatians that faith works by love. Your faith can operate without love. And he said, there's no fear in love. When I know that my God shall meet my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, I have no fear that my God will not meet my needs. When my, the word says that by his stripes I am healed, I have no fear I'm going to be sick or I'm going to die of sickness. There's no fear in love. It doesn't exist. And grace and peace is multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. And God is love. God is love. Because God is love, fear has no place in my life. That makes sense. But perfect love casts out fear. When I'm in fear, I'm not focused on his love. I'm not focused on God. I'm focused on the circumstances and poor me, poor me. But once I get my eyes off the storm and on Jesus, who is my peace, who is my tower of refuge, who is my tower of strength, who is my righteousness, who is my God, who is love, who is peace, who is love, it casts out fear. Fear vanishes. Fear goes. You ever got in a dark room and turned on the light? How fast did that darkness flee? In an instant. Love will cast out fear. Light is stronger than darkness. Love is stronger than hate. Amen. Life is stronger than death. In the same way light will expel darkness, love Perfect love will cast out fear. Because fear involves torment. God is not a God of torment. Let me prove that to you real quick. Hold your finger where we're at. But go to Exodus chapter 34. <coughs> Exodus chapter 34. We're going to go here, but hey, here we are. I need to find a verse where I want to get to. All right. In the, in the context of Exodus 33 and 34, Moses says to God, don't, unless your presence goes with us, don't lead us on. I'm paraphrasing this. And God had hid, hid Moses in the cleft of the rock, and he said he was going to pass before him. And that's what we're picking up in Exodus 34, verse 5. It says, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him, Moses. And there proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before Moses. 
and proclaim the Lord, the Lord, God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sins, by no means clearing the guilty. Anyway, we can go on and on. I don't have time to explain all that right now. But the Lord, the Lord, God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. He is not an angry God. He's angry at sin. God is not light on sin. He's not, he didn't sweep under some magic or carpet. He put it on Jesus. And he calls out love. And those who are perfected in love are perfect. Uh, those who are perfected in love, love, perfect love, will cast out fear. But he says, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We're going to spend more time next week about our Heavenly Father. And our Heavenly Father, he says in 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed among us that we should be called the children of God. We're going to spend time in Matthew 6, 33, in Matthew chapter 6, where, where, where Jesus says, Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, because your Heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Your father knows. He's a good, good father. Hello, church. He's a good, good father. And those who know are trusting and know him. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of him. And he, in the knowledge of him, he is your good, good father. Yes, we live in an evil day. Yes, many things are happening in the earth, and they will, but He is your good, good Father. You dance before the audience of one. He is your Father. He loves you. He loves you. He who did not spare His own Son, how much will He not give you all things? He loves you. And when you're perfected in his love, it will cast out fear. But he who fear has not been perfected in love. Grace and peace be not be multiplied to you in the knowledge of him. It behooves us, church, to know him. It behooves us now to be perfected in his love. This is love, not that we love him, but that he loved us and became our propitiation. Spend your energy in being perfected in his love. Because his love his perfection. He has sanctified you. Am I making sense? Am I making sense this morning? <coughs> I wrote this in my notes. Every single fear that we have is born out of a lie. Every fear is an untruth that we have partaken and believe. Let me give you some examples. How many believe that God is our healer? Well, any fear that says, I am going to, that has to do with uh, sickness, a disease, a coronavirus, a flu, a cold, any cancer, any type of disease, anything that says contrary to God, because God is my healer. And, and a lie will say anything outside of that. I don't care what the, you said, the doctor said. I'm not trying to, to ignore the facts. I'm telling the facts to line up to the word of God that says, by his strength, I am healed. Amen. And any, any fear that is contrary to the word of God is a lie. I'm not calling you. Let God be true and every man a liar. 
And if it doesn't line up with what God says about me and my circumstances and my healing, then I will rebuke it. God is my provider. I don't care what the bank says. Yes, if we don't work, you shouldn't eat. And yes, I think we need to, we work with our hands so we can bless all the families of the earth. It says in, in, in uh, Ephesians, I think it's chapter 5. Yeah, I'm not talking about not being working and being responsible, but, but my job, my employer, the government, is not my provider. He is! And he is a good, good father. And my God will meet my needs. If I seek first his kingdom, his right, his, his, his kingdom, and his righteousness, and his kingdom is righteous, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit, then he says he will add all these things that I need to me. Anything that says contrary is a lie. And if I feed on that lie, if I partake of that lie, instead of partaking of his word, then I will, I will feed my fears and start my faith. But I'm going to feed my faith and start my fears. God's my Savior. Anything else that says contrary, that I don't have peace with God, is a lie. I have peace with God. And when I awake to righteousness, I sin not. His grace teaches me to deny ungodliness, it says in Titus 2.12. He's my deliverer. Whatever the circumstance may be in. But, we are, but I pray that our eyes will be open like the, the servant of Elisha when he said pray that like his servant's eyes will be open that there's more with us than there are with them. He is my deliverer. He's my redeemer. We already read the verse in Isaiah this morning that he has given us double for our sins. He's my redeemer. God has redeemed me and any other voice, any other media that says otherwise is a lie. If it doesn't line up to the word of God. And I'm not partaking of the life. I'm partaking of the way, the truth, and the life. My Redeemer lives. He's my righteousness. He's my wisdom. Any other voice that says that God's not giving give me wisdom. You might be in a situation where you're on the fork in the road. And you don't know whether to go this way or this way or this way. I believe that if you will trust God. Put your trust in God. Not in the flesh. That you will hear a voice behind you. This is the way. Walk thee. Sometimes that voice will mean stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes that voice will say, pick up your sword and fight or do something. But he will direct you what to do, how much. Don't do more than God tells you to do. Don't do less than what God tells you to do. Just listen to God and trust and obey him. But don't listen to any other lie. He's your rock. If you will build your house on the rock and not the stand. I don't care how big the storms come. But the destruction won't be great. But if you build your own kingdom and build your own life on the sand, then when the storms come, the destruction will be great. The storms are coming. The storms are here. They're coming. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, our rock and our fortress and our strength, we will be fine. He will spend more time on this, but he is our father. He is a good, good father. He loves you more than you love yourself. Don't convince yourself otherwise. He loves you more. You are worth dying for. God has invested himself into you. You are worth it. You are valuable. He are his beloved child in whom he is well pleased. 
your best friend. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He says he will never leave you or forsake you. We'll spend more time with that as we get towards the end of this series. God is faithful. God is faithful. And you can have peace when you trust in the faithfulness of God. Your peace will be wavering when you trust in the faithfulness of man because man will fail you. Your spouse, your kids, your best friends, and everything, people will fail you. But God will never fail you. Love never fails. God is love. And he who has been put back in love will not fear. Am I making sense, church? His love never fails. And when you receive a revelation of his perfect love towards you, this revelation of his love will cast out every fear, every lie, every anxiety, every doubt, every inadequacy, every worry. We are not going to be governed by anxiety and fear. We are going to be governed by God, who is love. Our God reigns. And we are going to be established in His peace, His covenant of peace. The more revelation we have of God, who is love, and know He made you perfect in Him, the more His grace and peace will be multiplied to you. The key is knowing Him. And just because I knew him yesterday, I need to know him today. He's my daily bread. He's my daily bread. He's my daily bread. And I need not to take uh, to take the, the bread of sorrows, but the daily bread of the Word of God every day. The more you know him, the more you know him, the more you will be free. And he who is the Son has set free, he is free indeed. And the more you are free, the more you know him, the more his grace and his peace will be multiplied in your life. Go with me real quick to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm not going to get as far as I wanted to today. We'll spend more time in Isaiah next week. I'm going to wrap up here. And we'll pick it up next week. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Let me go back to verse 14. Paul's praying a prayer here. He says, I, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father. I'll spend more time with that later of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. How many know we're a family, church? What they call the family of God. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man. How many of you need to be strengthened in your inner man? We're talking about peace. And when we're, we don't have peace, we're not strengthened in our inner man. But we need to be strengthened in our inner man. We want, to, we want the peace to come from within not from without. That makes sense. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Faith. We've been talking about faith a lot. That you being rooted and grounded in love. See, love and faith, you can't, I can bring you tons and tons of scripture. Our faith and love are intertwined. Faith works by love. We, these two go together. Okay? 
grow in your hearts through faith that you're being rooted and grounded in love. Whose love? God. His love is our propitiation. His love casts out all fear. And when you're grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. We've been talking about that this morning. What is the width and the length and the depth and the height, the full dimension of his love? Verse 19, to know the love of Christ. To know grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of him, which it passes knowledge. See, the love of Christ passes knowledge. It's not so much a no experience. Yes, there's two kinds of know here. One's called a is more of experiencing knowledge. One is intellectual knowledge. We need the intellectual knowledge, though. <coughs> My people perish with a lack of knowledge. But we also need to experience God. That word, the first know is also the same word when, when, when Mary said, How can this be since I not know the man? It's talking about intimacy with God. Okay? But the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. I don't care. We need to know God. And we've been spending a lot of time the last two weeks talking about knowing God. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Him. But His love, the love of Christ, surpasses knowledge. If you, if you really uh, do your grammar and dissect this sentence, the, it's the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It's not so much this knowledge surpasses this knowledge, it's the love of Christ that surpasses that knowledge. Yeah, at the same point in time, we don't want to just know about God. We want to experience God. That point is there too. Am I making sense? But know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. How many of you want to be filled with the fullness of God? I don't want just half God. I don't want a quarter of God. I don't want an eighth of God. I want the full enchilada. It says in John chapter 1, verse 16, of this fullness we have received in grace for grace. We have the fullness of God. But not only do you have it, but you can experience the fullness of God, and you can know the fullness of God. Not only do you have the fullness of Christ in you, because if you are His, you have of His fullness you have received. But I want to experience His fullness. I want to know His fullness that's in me. I love the Amplified, and the Amplified says that you might be filled overflowing with God Himself. I want to be flooded, flooded with God Himself. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So be it. You know, I don't read that enough, that verse, not verse 21, but I want to go back to verse 20 here. Now to him, God, who is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we ask for thee. We're talking about being established in peace. Most of the time, anxiety, worry, is because of what we're thinking about. Sometimes we have more faith in our problems clobbering us than we have in our, in our God clobbering our fears. Sometimes we have more faith in the devil overtaking us than we do in God who reigns. That's a point, but I don't know. But I want to go beyond here. 
We get, how many of you know we get in trouble by what we think? Every worry, every fear is because we have been feeding on something that we shouldn't be feeding on. How, where did that thought come from? By the sorrows of the world, by some, some, some sort of media. Whether that be a friend or a spouse or something, sometimes even the enemy ourselves or even our own voice, our own thoughts. But it originated somewhere. But I need to I need to starve my fears and feed my faith. So I can be established in his peace. Because my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I even ask for think. We're gonna be talking starting a new series tonight in our Bible say, Don't limit God. And I don't about you, all of us, including myself, have limited God. We want if, if we weren't, we would see a lot of different results. We would see a lot of different results. But we're not seeing the results. Jesus said, greater things we shall do than me because I go to the Father. We're not seeing that. We're not even seeing the things, some of the same things Jesus did. And so, but whatever we're praying for, whatever we're trusting God for, He's able to do above that. You can't outgive God. You can't outthink God. You can't. God can do a miracle beyond your comprehension. But He is able to do all of this, even what you ask and think according to. According to. That's the key. According to His power that is at work in you. What's this power that works in us? I could go back to the beginning of the book. It's the same power to raise Christ from the dead, and that would be very appropriate. But I can also go right back to the very preceding verse. If you have not only the love of God, I mean, I can just go with the love of God, the same love that raised Christ from the dead, that is a work in you. But I, he also said the fullness of God. If you have the fullness of God in you, and he is able to do exceedingly abundantly according to about all that you think or ask or think according to the power that are working you, or well, what in you? The fullness of God. You know, so many people are, 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 are praying for healing, but don't want a relationship with the healer. So many people are praying for provision, but don't want a relationship with the provider. So many people are praying for wisdom, but don't want to be, have a relationship with the God of all wisdom. Whatever the case may be, we are about a relationship with God, and when we have the fullness of God in us, and we are experiencing that, and we are know that, theologically and intellectually, we know that we can experience that, and the fullness of God in us, you have, if you have the healer, you can have all the healing you need. If you have the provider, you can have all the provision you need. If you have the God of wisdom, you can have all the wisdom you need. Whatever you need, He is your all in all. He is your sufficiency. He is your God. He is your God. And if He is your God, and He has filled you with the fullness of Himself, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly of all that you could ask for me, according to His power. That is at work. It's not dormant. It's not asleep. The church is not empty. The church, the tomb is empty. And God has filled his church with the fullness of himself. So that he could do exceedingly that all we can ask or think. To him be glory. In his church. His church is not the building. His church 
forever and ever. It will never come to an end. Amen. So be it. Am I making sense this morning? I'm out of time. I didn't get as far as I wanted to, but hopefully this is fruitful. Let me pray for you. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. We thank you for your peace. We thank you that we can have a relationship with you. We thank you that we can experience you. We thank you we can know you. We thank you that your love casts out all fear. The secret is not some religiosity. The secret is having a relationship with you and knowing you. For you said you will keep him in perfect peace. He whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. Help us to do that. Help us to trust you. Help us to keep our focus on you. Help us to turn off some medias and turn on you. Help us to be in your word. Help us to communicate with the body of Christ innovatively if we must, even during this season. Teach us how to be the church instead of just going to church. We don't go to churches because we turn on a, a live teaching. We don't go to churches because we that's part of it. But we go to church because we are the church. And now we come and we get fed, we get ministered to, so that through the rest of this week, we as a church of the living God can minister to one another through technology, through picking up the phone, through a letter, through a gesture, through an act of kindness, through an act of goodness. The fruit of the Spirit, that is love, joy, peace. It's also kindness and goodness, gentleness. We can offer that to one another. Maybe it's helping someone who can't help themselves. Maybe they don't have a car to go get groceries. Maybe they don't have the means to pay their bills. Maybe we can pay someone's bills. Maybe we can help somebody. Maybe we can meet someone's need. Maybe we can be a blessing. Lord, thank you, because we trust that whatever we give, there's more where it comes from. Because you are our provider. You are our source. You are the lift of our hands. We worship you. We magnify you. In your name we give you thanks. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being with us this morning. God bless you. And we'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Those who can be with us. We're going to talk about Don't Let It Go.